Full Service Radio is supported by Compass, the future of real estate in the metro D.C. area and beyond. Discover more at compass.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, and I love beer here in D.C. During my time in culinary school, I acquired an appreciation for good beer. I continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU, and since then I have been a beer director, beer consultant, beer bar general manager. But I get to continue to explore this wonderful world of beer with you wonderful listeners. Uh, Every week I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, brewers, importers, educators, uh, to really help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Today, we're talking about home brewing, the wonderful science experiment that your college roommate had in uh, your closet. Um, I am joined today, very, very lucky to be talking to the DC Home Brewers Club. So we have uh, Sarah Benault, I'm sorry, your last name. Bondioli. Bondioli, Sarah Bondioli, uh, current president of the DC Home Brewers Club, uh, Bob Rouse from uh, also the DC Homebrewers Club, former president from 2013 to 2015, uh, and Maddie Marshall, uh, the current uh, treasurer and secretary of the DC Homebrewers Club. Thank you all for taking time on your Monday morning to come talk with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So tell me a little bit about the DC Homebrewers Club. I know that you just celebrated your 10 year anniversary. Uh, Tell me a little about what you guys do. Yeah, so um, the club was started in uh, 2008 by two brothers actually in D.C. who were just kind of interested in um, getting a group of people together to explore homebrewing a bit more. And so uh, we celebrated our 10th anniversary in January with uh, an event, a meeting we had at Right Proper Brewery in D.C. And um, basically our general premise is that we just get homebrewers together uh, we meet once a month and share beer, homebrew with each other, talk about it. Um, and then we also do other events, homebrew demos and uh, competitions. Uh, we host like a homebrew barbecue once a year. So things like that. Nice. So we were talking a little bit before we got started. What does like what does your typical meeting look like? What do you what are you typically doing? We get um, a lot of people showing up. Um, it's we probably have a core group of people that come every meeting. They're, they're really dedicated to the club. And then we always have new people coming or, or people that come every once in a while. But uh, we spend most of the time trying each other's beer, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, but For educational purposes. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that process is uh, exchanging ideas, techniques, tips, uh, asking for help. Uh, especially newer brewers, um, they can learn a lot at a homebrew club meeting um you know things that they might be doing wrong uh things that they're doing right that they're not sure about so it's uh i mean we are an educational club that's sort of our our purpose um but we also have a lot of fun too 
Nice. And what does, I mean, there's membership dues, I'm assuming, or no, any? No, no. No dues? No dues. No we dues. have an annual barbecue fundraiser, and that pretty much, um, you know, keeps, keeps our website afloat and any general expenses that we have. But we're a pretty, pretty simple welcome to everybody kind of club. Yeah, no requirements or anything like that? No. If you haven't even brewed before, you can show up and try to figure out how to start. Very cool. So how long have, all right, Sarah, how long have you been brewing? Um, so I've been brewing about six years now. Okay. Uh, and Maddie? Uh, about four years now. All right. Bob? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. Okay. So we have some seasoned professionals here. <laughs> what have some of your other members? Um, I mean, I'm assuming you all, you all have day jobs, um, but, you know, have some members kind of transitioned fully into the world of, of craft beer? Yeah, we've um, we've had a number of members who uh, have gone on to beer careers. Um, so we probably have close to ten people who've gone out and like opened their own breweries. Um, a couple um, people are we actually have two current members who are working on a brewery that's supposed to be opening um, sometime later this year. So um, Michael Tonsmeyer and Scott Janish mm-hmm. are. Uh, owning sapwood cellars which is opening up in maryland oh nice um and mike and scott actually both in addition to doing a lot of home brewing are have very active brewing blogs that have uh, pretty big followings mm-hmm. and so they kind of have um some built-in um excitement already um from people who are following those scott does a lot of work with uh hops and experimenting with hops and beers and Mike specifically has done a lot of work with sour beers. Okay. Very cool. Do, do they have like an ETA on the, I mean, I know it's like asking not, a restaurant. Yeah, owner, I'm not sure When are we exactly. opening a restaurant in Washington, D.C.? I, I think they're hoping for like summer-ish. But summer-ish? I don't know okay. exactly how that's going to fall. Very cool. Well, keep your eyes peeled. Um, all right. So we have three season homebrewing professionals. Let's say I have no experience in homebrewing. I want to get started. What, do you, what advice are you giving me? Uh, come to a D.C. Homebrewer Club come meeting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Step one. Step one. Okay. Um, it, admit that it's not as complicated as you probably have in your head. Like, okay. I remember I put off doing it for the longest time because I was like, this is going to be so complicated and I'm going to need all this equipment and I'm going to screw all this up. And really, actually, once I did it, I was like, oh, I can, I, if I know how to bake a cake, I know how to make a beer. Um, I just need, you know, a couple of the right tools, got a kit, showed up to the homebrewer meeting and... Um, it kind of went from there. So if someone wants to get started, I mean, it's really a simple matter of getting a kit or getting the basic materials, um, you know, basic equipment that you need and um, just going for it. Nice. So as far as the kits go, I, you know, I did a, I looked a l- around a little bit. They've definitely come a long way. Um, you know, you can get your typical, what, five-gallon kit? Yeah. Or you can get, mm-hmm. you know, like a little one-gallon kit. Um, you know, where... Is there like a particular spot that you all recommend to pick this up or just kind of anywhere? It doesn't matter. Um, well, as we mentioned, or we talking before we started recording here, there are about three to four homebrew shops in the D.C. area. So mm-hmm. um, Three Stars Brewing in D.C. has a homebrew shop with it. Um, That's down- always my favorite because you can go and get a beer as you're sitting around <laughs> trying to pick out what hops you want. Um, down in Virginia, there's um, the brew shop mm-hmm. in Arlington. And... Um, it's my little homebrew shop in uh, Falls Church. Uh, they also sell sell beer, and they have some beers on tap as well. And then if you're uh, in Maryland, uh, there's also Maryland Homebrew up in Columbia. Okay. 
Nice. Now, do you, do you all <clears throat> recommend kind of a smaller, like a one-gallon starter kit or, or a five-gallon kit? Or does it, does I think it matter? There are so many different ways to start out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is there are like lots of options. So um, when I got going, I started by doing one-gallon all-grain batches. And all-grain just means you're starting from the actual grain and extracting the sugar from the grain. Um, the other... Uh, kind of term that we use for a way of brewing is like an extract batch and that's where you would start with either a powder or a syrup form of where the sugar has basically already been extracted from the grain and so you're starting with a powder or sugar of that um, powder or syrup of that sugar okay um so i started doing all grain but one gallon so pretty small batches i was living in a one-bedroom apartment um Although now I've like ramped up and I went from one gallon batches to three gallon batches and now to five gallon batches usually. And I still live in a one bedroom apartment. So it's possible to like do large batches even in a small space. Um, Just depends a little bit on what your space is like. Uh, But a lot of people actually do get started with extract because it's a little bit faster and there are fewer variables. Okay. Yeah, that's how I got started for sure because it's just a lot less things can go wrong and you can actually make really good beer with extract like I think everyone feels like you have to go big or go home but you don't I've especially at the meetings like trying different beers it's always like whoa this is an extract beer like this is incredible you know it's a you know so I don't think it's something people should shy away from like I started with a kit my my roommate at the time actually got a kit for Hanukkah and so we were like oh we're finally gonna (laughs) brew our beer had no idea what we were doing you know we were taking the hydrometer and like trying it which is what you put in the up uh, you know the beer and mm-hmm. as it floats you can measure the density and that's how you figure out the alcohol content we had no idea about that so we we're like putting it in like a thermometer and we're like why isn't it working like we don't understand <laughs> um and from there then just went to like the homebrew shops like hey we want to make a amber how do we do that and just you know the people who work at the homebrew shops are like the nicest people and they're there's what's cool about homebrewing there's no judgment if like you want to learn something no one's going to be like you don't know how to do that like that doesn't happen right. people are just super excited to like share their knowledge and get you into you know into brewing so just kind of going to the shops like oh hey you should do this and then you know just like baking a cake as you learn what everything does you're like oh well then i can add this and i can add this and i can switch that out for this type of hop and you know figuring it out but you know extract kit is you know definitely a great way to get started yeah that's how i started too um i got um at the homebrew shops, they'll have a like essentially a starter equipment kit, mm-hmm. um, and it's usually around hundred bucks, seventy to hundred bucks, depends on, on you know, what all is in it. But it's usually all the stuff that you need. Beyond that, if you have some you know, big stock pot at home and some cooking utensils, you're good to go. Yeah. And so yeah, I started out with five gallons um, with the with a few kits. You know, got the, the extract kits, got those under my belt, and then I got some confidence. You know, when it turned out, it's like, hey, this is pretty good. I made this. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and then from there, you know, I just, you know, kept going. I started actually creating my own recipes and stuff. And, um, and I, I agree with Maddie. You can brew excellent beer with extract. I think it gets a, there are certain snobs that look down on it. But I've won, you know, ribbons in homebrew competitions with extract beers. So nice. you, you can make excellent beers that way. And Sarah, you had mentioned that, you know, a lot more can go wrong with uh, doing grain. Mm-hmm. Can you all break that down a little bit for, for some listeners who are newer to brewing? There's basically just you're starting with a few more variables. So you need to successfully extract the sugars you want from that grain mm-hmm. in order to have the right sugars to turn it into beer. And so 
Um, if you didn't have like the right mix of grains, you need you know grains that are going to give you enough sugar to to get your beer um, some alcohol in your beer in the end. Yeah. Or uh, if you you basically put that those grains into uh, a, we call a mash, but mm-hmm. it's basically you're like steeping grains in hot water, kind of like making tea. But if your temperature is off too much on that, there's like a certain temperature range for the beer. Um, depending what you're making, that you kind of want that to uh, steep at. So if your temperature is way off, you might end up not really extracting the sugars that you need out of that. And therefore, it can affect the body of the beer. It can affect how much alcohol you end up with in the end, things like that. So if you start with extract, you don't have to worry about all those variables and you just you start with those sugars. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having a, you know, you get your grain going and you put the thermometer and you're like, oh, I'm four degrees too low and having to boil water and throw it in and hope and it just kind of becomes a <laughs> becomes a mess at some point and it's more equipment, but, you know, you kind of get more control out of out of what your, your final beer tastes like. Sure. Yeah. I, the, I think the temperature aspect of it is probably the, the most critical point. If you mm-hmm. have, like you said, four degrees difference can make a beer either too dry or too sweet. Um and you know that's something that's hard to adjust once your once your wa- water's in the grain. You know the, your, your only option is to put cold water in or hot water in. Or if you have you know nicer setup, you can do like recirculating and and, and adjust the temperature that way. So, all right. So we've got come to a homebrew meeting. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Go to a local homebrew shop. They're all nice. In mm-hmm. fact, most people in beer are nice. Yes. Beauty of the community. Yes. Um, what are what's like a good first style for someone to kind of try to tackle? I'm gonna say whatever your favorite style is. Okay. I, I think Eng- English ales are are easy and very forgiving. You know, you can if it's a little too sweet or a little too dry, it doesn't really matter, and they, it's not super hoppy, so. You know, they, you can make some mistakes and they'll still turn out pretty good. I'm going to say pretty much anything other than like a lager, which is a completely different type of brewing process because the yeast is different. But any type of ale, an amber ale, a porter, a, you know, IPA, a pale ale, whatever, you know, you want to drink. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to make a style that you don't like, then you're not going to want to drink your own homebrew, right? Like sure. that's, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, I concur with everything they said. Um, sometimes I'll recommend. <laughs> sometimes I'll recommend IPAs because uh, if you like IPAs, because you can like to some extent, if you have a lot of hops in there, you can kind of cover up some other possible off flavors you could get. Yeah. So like IPAs can sometimes help. You can still like enjoy it even if there's something a little off in there. That's but. fair. All right. Good advice all around. So when you all, you know, first started brewing or kind of as you got more confident, um, I'm looking for an epic fail story. I'm, I, I, um, I know at some point someone messed up and <laughs> there was like something. I feel probably have yeah. one or two I, of them. I think what I would consider my, I mean, there have been multiple things, but um, probably the biggest one was, um, so it's possible when you are making beer and then bottling it and you're carbonating the beer in the bottle, basically, mm-hmm. it's possible to over-carbonate um, to the point that your bottles start exploding. Ah, okay. Um, so I extremely dangerous. Yes. <laughs> An entirely new definition you of popping bottles. definitely want yes. to avoid that. Okay. Um, but I did have that happen once. Um, luckily for me, I was. this is when I was still doing, this is probably like my third or fourth batch, so I was doing one gallon still, so I only had like eight bottles total. Um, but... Uh, they were in like kind of foam cooler 
closed up in my living room. Okay. Um, but I, I wasn't around when it happened because I clearly would have heard it um, if I had been around. But when I went to like check on them at some point, I'm like, oh, there's liquid in the bottom and shards of glass all over. And so then immediately like went, brought them all in the kitchen and very carefully like opened all of them and they gushed all over the place. Um, Cause it can be dangerous too, as you're trying to do that. If another one explodes, that's okay. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> not a good situation to be in. But uh, so that was probably my biggest, like obvious fail in that. And hey, you're unscathed. I'm looking at your face. Yeah. No scars. <laughs> yeah. You survived. <laughs> and then I was just a little more careful after that about like how much you basically add a little sugar um, as you're bottling. And so I was probably not as carefully measuring the amount of sugar I was adding as I maybe could have been. And so that I learned from it and I was very careful after that. So, Well, we're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. Um, Maddie, Bob, you're not safe from Epic Fail Stories. Today's program has been brought to you by Compass. Looking for a more curated real estate experience? With a mindset of a startup and the sophistication of a luxury brand, Compass is the future of real estate, changing the way agents and their clients navigate the process of finding or selling a home. Visit them today in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, or navigate compass.com day or night. And the music you're hearing is by Keto, K-I-E-D-O. Be right back. Welcome back to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane, and we are recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm joined today with the D.C. Homebrewers Club, Sarah, Bob, and Maddie, all here uh, giving us some tips about kind of getting started on homebrewing, Go to a meeting, go to a meeting, go to a meeting. Um, but we are sharing some epic fail stories uh, when uh, brewing can uh, take a take a turn. So it's your turn, Maddie. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> besides not knowing exactly what I was doing when I was starting off and hydrometers and everything, um, I remember when I had started all grain, which, you know, which is basically extracting the sugars from the you know original barley, and um, I... By my third batch, I was getting all excited, and I love personally rye I, um, ales. So, like any type of like super rye IPA mm-hmm. um, is probably my favorite. <laughs> so, what's the point of homebrew if you're not gonna like overdo it on your favorite kind of style? And I wanted to go like I think it was like a 15 or 20 percent rye beer, which is like a big yeah. Bob's face is <laughs> it's a uh, you know most most you know. Uh, commercial brews are only like maybe five or ten percent at the max so I was going to go all out with the rye and what I didn't know because I was an inexperienced um, home brewer and I should have asked someone at a meeting before I did it is um, most you know grain when you mill it there's a um, a hull around the outside of it so Mm -hmm. it kind of keeps it kind of floating because it's not just a pure grain there's a hull in there to kind of keep it keep the water around it okay. Well, rye doesn't have that. So you have to add rice hulls to kind of keep it from becoming a really stuck, sticky mash, you know, to kind of keep some separation. I had no idea. And I brew this beer and it gets completely stuck. Like it's such a a mess of 
of of rye that it wouldn't even come out of the um my mash tun so i completely stuck and i'm trying like well if i walk in and i'm like putting on gloves because it's like a hundred and you know 54 degree <laughs> mash tun and i'm trying to get it out i end up completely spilling it all over my kitchen floor Aww. sticky sugar water is basically what i made and that doesn't clean up very well lost the beer entirely but then the next time i made it, it's pretty good so nice. <laughs> so again go to a meeting, go to a meeting. <laughs> ask someone about it all right bob what do you got for well, us i, I will uh, I'll, I'll second what she said I, I i did the same thing with 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 pumpkin in, in oh, the mash yeah. which okay. is which is goopy and and rye and a bunch of other grains and yeah it turned into a dough ball Yep. Um, but I think um, I, I've had the, the same problems that they've had. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to go with something different, um, I brew outside uh, on like, like a turkey fryer type of thing. Okay. And um, so I've got this water filter, you know, so I'm thinking water filter is taking out of the chlorine and get nice, clean, pure water going in. Um, I had used, I bought a new garden hose and you know, you don't notice it in the smell when you're brewing, but it picked up a lot of plasticky flavor and, and aroma out of that brand new garden hose. And by you know, by the time it you know you find out, you know, when the beer is all done and you're yeah. trying it for the first time, it's too late. And it just it was it was uh, disgusting. <laughs> I so mean, the, it ta- the it, it, addition it tastes, of garden hose. I mean, I don't know if you when you were a little kid you used to drink water out of the garden hose. Yeah. That's what the beer tasted like. Oh. oh no. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, that's five gallons down the drain. I gotcha. And that's too strong of an aroma for any uh, nostalgia points there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I ended up uh, taking a bottle to the homebrew club meeting and and tried to see who could guess what the the problem was. So you, you bring your failures as well. Yeah, I, I do. So like I call them, you know, lesson beers. Lesson I, beers. Okay, I like so, that. So, you know, this is a failure, you know, and, and either try to get people to figure out, you know, what went wrong or tell them what went wrong and say, this is what happens when you do this or when you don't do that. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's, there's lessons to be learned from failure. I think everyone can agree to that. Okay. This is how we transition beer into life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> beer is life. That's a good, I like that. Um... So, kind of getting away from the actual nuts and bolts of home brewing, I want to talk a little bit about hops, um, not the uh, beautiful uh, plant that gives beer flavor. Um, homebrew Outreach uh, Participation Sisterhood. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so, this is basically a kind of subgroup that some of us began, I'm not even, maybe four years ago now? I think so. It's been a little while. Um, and uh, what it is, is it's basically just focused on encouraging women to get into homebrewing and to make it a little more accessible. So it started from the fact that I went to my first meeting about six years ago, and when I walked into, it was a meeting that was actually hosted at someone's house, I walked into their house, I didn't know anybody there, and it was like a house full of 50 guys and like five women maybe yeah and uh you know I had a great time obviously I came back like um it was still amazing but I was it felt a little awkward and I also like was kind of surprised I hadn't even occurred to me until then that there are so many more men involved in brewing or at least visibly in brewing um than women and so a group of a few of the women who were involved um, at that time, then we kind of decided 
it might be fun to start a little women's group that could meet and do brew days and things where, you know, if you're a little intimidated about like not knowing anything and going into like a den of men, essentially, that you could come to this like women's group and like brew with us and like learn the basics and then get a little more confident and like kind of go out and start doing your own thing. And then hopefully also, you know, join our larger club as well. But just to kind of introduce people to it. Can oh, I awesome. can I throw my fellow men under the bus for yeah. a moment? <laughs> Have uh, always, of course. Um, I, I think it was a really a necessary thing because I, I will concur with Sarah that it, you know a woman at a, at a homebrew club was automatically assumed to be a wife or girlfriend of a brewer, not okay. a brewer themselves, yeah. and um, which is wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that uh, em- emphasizing you know. Women as, as brewers, I think, was important and necessary. And so I applaud you know, Sarah and everyone else that got that ball rolling. And yeah. I do think it has helped overall. <clears throat> like, I feel like we have more women who are brewers who are involved in the club. And that I think members are like used to talking to us as brewers, which is nice. Yeah. It was it was nice at the the our tenth anniversary meeting. I'm mm-hmm. looking around. I'm like, man, there's a lot of women here. Like, this is great. Yeah. Like, it's um, I don't know. Like, as craft beer in general has mm-hmm. has gotten bigger, I feel like more and more women are are you know being represented or getting into craft beer. And I'm not sure it's the same amount, you know, same percentage getting into home brewing, but I feel like it should be. Yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of really nice to now walk into a meeting and not assume that I'm with somebody. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've uh, gone up to a table in a beer bar restaurant that I worked at and, uh, hey, can I speak to your beer guy? And I've had to unfortunately tell them, I am that guy. I am, <laughs> I am your beer guy for this evening. Um, and being met with looks of disappointment is just wow. heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but hey, we're getting there. We're getting one, there. One beer at a time. Uh, so how many people typically show up to the hops meeting? Um, we've tended to vary over the years, um, being sometimes a little more active and sometimes a little less active. Mm -hmm. So, um, it tends to be a pretty small group, like maybe six to 12 total. Uh, we've done, we've tended to do brew days a decent amount, which I think is something that works out pretty well because of the size of the group we have. It's not too many people to kind of brew together, which if we did brew days with all of our DC Homebrewers Club meetings, it's just too many people to yeah. really like get involved in that um but with kind of a small group we can do a brew day where everyone can kind of be involved um mm-hmm. and take home some of the beer in the end we've also um over the years done kind of happy hours where we've had uh women in the beer industry come and talk to us so professional brewers also beer bar owners um beer writers so kind of just a variety of hanging out with women in the industry who are cool and can kind of talk about their experiences and how they got to where they are. Nice. No, it's very empowering. And you, I mean, you said it's kind of morphed over the years. You're seeing more and more women getting involved. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, um, uh, and especially with hops, it's kind of nice because it's this community where, and especially DC, such a transient city mm-hmm. that I think people come and especially women of like, I don't really know anybody, but I'm kind of into this and I don't know how to show up into a, you know, a den of men and <laughs> talk. So it's kind of nice to be able to bring in people that, you know, otherwise might be intimidated, but it's a smaller group or like I've hosted brew days before and it's like, all right, everyone bring an empty six pack and, you know, next meeting, everyone gets to take 
take a little bit of our shared beer home. Um, so it's just kind of nice to be, you know, with a group of a group of ladies drinking drinking beer. Nice. Yeah. So when is the next uh, meeting for the DC Beer Club? The next uh, DC Homebrewers meeting is March twenty eighth at uh, Gordon Beersh at Navy Yard. Okay. Um, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. All right. And when do you guys have another meeting for hops? I don't think we have a specific uh, meeting planned yet. Okay. For the next one on that. But, we're, but we have a cool Facebook group. Yes. Ah, so okay. if there are any ladies interested, they should join our Facebook group. Che- yes. Check out the Facebook hops group. Hops has a Facebook group. Also, DC Homebrewers has a Facebook group as well, um, which is active both for you know, meeting info and events info, but also it's a great place to get questions answered if you are a brewer, whether or not you make it out to a meeting. Um, we have a lot of people in there who are active and willing to answer questions and people who ask questions about all different aspects of brewing, kegging, all those things. Yeah. Awesome. I actually, I actually got started with, um, with all grain through the Facebook group because okay. I was doing extract and I wasn't really sure how to do all grain and I didn't really know anyone well enough to be like hey so I just posted on Facebook like hey is anyone doing an all grain brew soon and can I come hang out with you for a couple hours and watch how it's done I had to have like a dozen people be like yeah I'm doing this weekend come on by um, and the person I ended up going to uh, is now like one of my closest friends so like it's kind of a nice little nice little group that's awesome well <clears throat> check out uh, a meeting join the Facebook group uh, both of them and uh, thank you all so much for coming by and chatting with us. It was wonderful to have you all in the studio this morning. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. Us. Yeah. Uh, this has been Beer Me, recorded live at the Line Hotel. We're here every Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, my name is Sarah Jane. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and info at fullserviceradio.org. Thank you all very much. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.